today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. There's nothing you can do to add to it. What, like I need you to help me out on this? God, you did your part. I'll take it from here. (laughs) Don't do that. God has already finished the work for us and instead of us. And you know what that means? All we need to do is simply trust in His finished work. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. Does it ever feel like you have to do everything yourself? When you divvy out jobs, you risk them not being done right. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that when it comes to salvation, there's nothing to be done by us. God has done it all. In fact, if you try to add to it, you'll only end up taking away the blessing. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Satan wants you to live in trying. He doesn't want you to live in trusting. Because see, if I live in trusting, then I'm walking in righteousness and victory. How does that work? Because he already did it. I don't have to do anything. Well, wait a minute, Pastor, with all due respect, not so fast. You're going to give people the impression that every time they blow it, hey, what's the point? I can just ask for forgiveness. And I can go on just doing whatever I want, because I can always ask for forgiveness. Accent uh, (laughs) added. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know where that came from. (laughs) The opposite is true again. Because see, when you've tasted from the cup of grace, you don't want to sin against a God like that. When you realize that it's the kindness of God that leads a man to repentance. God is so gentle and gracious and loving and merciful and kind. And see, here's the enemy trying to get us to think that God's angry with us. He's kind of had it with us. And, And here's God going, I love you so much. I've already paid for that. You don't have to do anything. It's already been done. The work has already been finished. When you're finished with your work, what do you do? Rest. Thank you. Oh, you guys. I love you so much. You guys are amazing. Maybe I'm preaching to the choir. I don't know, but that's what God's saying. Why are you trying? Why are you working? It's finished. It's finished. Just rest and trust in that. It's finished. There's nothing you can do to add to it. What, like I need you to help me out on this? God, you did your part. I'll take it from here. (laughs) Don't do that. 
God has already finished the work for us and instead of us. And you know what that means? All we need to do is simply trust in His finished work. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you know it well. We quote it always in the context of evangelism. But I want to draw your attention to something that's here not easily seen at first read because we're too familiar with it. The Apostle Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, verse 8, chapter 2, For it is by grace you have been saved. Okay, we got that, right? We're saved by grace. But then he says this. It's a qualifier. Through faith. Oh, that's a game changer right there. You know what he just did there, don't you? We're saved by grace. That's the good news, the message, the gospel, the word of God, the promise of God. But it's through mixing it with faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. In other words, you're saved by grace through faith, and you had nothing to do with it. Wait a minute, I, I had something. No, you didn't. Because if you did, then that would be works. How so? Well, think about it. If I had to bring something to the table of salvation, the implication is that I have to do something. Uh Uh-uh. I don't have to do anything? No. He did it. There's nothing I need to... No, in fact, it's kind of like when our kids are small and they want to help us. It's so adorable, right? And you say to them, you know, you want to help me? Don't help me. That would help me. (laughs) Because if you help me, then it's going to make it worse and take me a lot longer. And then I've got the mess to clean up after. I mean, it's adorable. I'll do it. I know that's a silly way to illustrate it, but I think you get the point, don't you? Well, is there anything I can do to help? No. You're saved by grace through faith. (laughs) It's almost like, I, I don't mean to be offensive. I mean, if you think about it, the gospel is offensive, because the gospel is that you're saved by grace, which implies that you're a sinner. You need to be offended. I would rather offend somebody into heaven than flatter somebody into hell. The gospel is offensive. And it's meant to offend, because you're the offender. (laughs) How about that? You've transgressed the law of God. You've fallen short of the glory of God. You've sinned against God. And now you need a Savior. And the Savior is going to save you by grace, unmerited favor. You did absolutely nothing to deserve it. In fact, Truth be known, I don't mean to point, I'm sorry when I do that, because you know I should probably do it like this so nobody feels singled out. <laughs> I always know I shouldn't do that when somebody starts crawling under the chair. I'll do it like this, just you know. <laughs> it could be argued that God saved you by His grace through faith, despite yourself. Despite yourself. 
I mean, if it was left up to you, forget about it. If, if we had to bring anything to the table of salvation, like, you know, hey, I, I haven't murdered anybody. Okay, come on over. We can talk. You? No can. You know what the implication of that is, right? That means that you contribute. You have to bring something in and of yourselves. We just got done hearing that it's not from yourselves. You had to do something to deserve salvation. That's not grace. That's earned, merited. And here's the problem. We live meritorious. Is that the word? Meritorious. Ah, it's not bad. Meritorious Christian lives. You know what I mean by that? That everything that we have from the Lord, starting with our salvation, was merited. So here's what that looks like this week, starting today, by the way. Hey, pretty good day. You know, went to church. I tithed. (sighs) Tomorrow morning, alarm clock goes off. Spent time in the Word and prayer. (laughs) Doing pretty good. Like God's up there with His checklist. All right, good. Check. Church Sunday. Word and prayer Monday. He tithed. It's a big check. Two checks. Like a merit badge, right? And then the blessing of God on our lives that week, and we start trying to connect it like, oh, that's because I was a good boy. I was a good girl. Well, what about when you're not? You know, I blew it, slept in. I didn't even watch online. Forget tithing online. I didn't even do that. Haven't been in the Word. Haven't spent any time in prayer. Man, I'm going to get it. Oh, really? Is that how you live your Christian life? If it is, it ought not be. Because God's not up there keeping count, keeping score, checking off the checklist. I don't mean to bring in this, but maybe I need to. You know, the whole Christmas thing, That one song, it's always bugged me, especially later in life. You know, Santa Claus is coming to town. He's got a list. He's checking it twice to see if you've been naughty or nice. I'm not getting anything for Christmas (laughs) because I've been pretty naughty. (laughs) I sure haven't been very naughty. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that it's only going to be good if I'm nice. Okay, play nice. Make nice. That's not how it works. And the reason that's not how it works is because that's works. That's not a play on words. And that brings us to our third one, actually. It ties in verses 9-11. Rest from works. Just... (sighs) The rest the writer of Hebrews refers to here 
is this rest from our own works to merit the favor of God and the blessing of God. Example, you were very naughty this week. You are a bad, bad boy. Shame on you. And then God just, I mean, blesses you. And and here's your response. What's this? God, why, why are you being so kind and gracious and generous and to me, I, I, I was a bad boy. Oh, it's called grace. In fact, where did sin abound, there did grace much more abound. <laughs> there you go again, Pastor. I mean, you, what are you saying that, hey, the more I sin, the more grace. doesn't work that way. It has the opposite effect. When God is gracious to you like that, and blesses you like that, when you know what you've been like, I mean, it ruins you. I mean, it just floors you. Let me say it like this, it woos you back to Him. Whoa, Lord, I I don't deserve this. I know. Lord, you're so good to me. I know. Lord, I have been really bad. I know. <laughs> Lord, why are you doing it? Because I love you. I'm not angry with you. I took all of my anger, all of my wrath, and I put it on my only begotten Son, who took your sin upon him and he paid for it in full. You have no outstanding debt. It is paid for in full. It is finished, period. Not comma, not semicolon. It's not, it is finished if. Well, it's a big if. It is finished, however, no, it is finished. The work is finished. Rest. Rest. Unless and until we realize that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, we can do to add to what Jesus has already done, we will never enter into that rest. And we're just going to remain like the Israelites in that barren wilderness. Our Christian lives are dry. You know what's interesting? I think about the Israelites with this. It's almost like you can get accustomed to it. So that it becomes this normal to where anything else would be just so over the top. We can't see ourselves in that place. Here we are in the 
barren wilderness in our Christian lives. And if we would but believe God to do the miraculous, I wonder how many of us, if we only knew what awaited us just for the asking, why don't we ask? James says we have not because we ask not. I have a question. Okay, I get that. We have not because we ask not. Okay? But I have this question. Why don't we ask then? Because we don't believe. And we remain in the desert of unbelief. We're still saved. But here's all the promises of God, all the blessings of God, there for the asking. And we don't ask. And we don't ask because we don't believe. Why don't we believe? Because we don't believe that we deserve it. We don't believe that God is going to check His checklist. You know that list that He's checking twice? So why bother ask? Because He's going to look at that list and go, uh-uh. You ain't getting that. You, look at it. Look at this. I know it. I'm sorry I asked. I want to ask again. That's why we don't ask. Shred that list. Better yet, burn it. Because that's not the list. He has a different list. You know what that list says on it? It's got this huge, big, red stamp with the blood of Jesus Christ. And it says, paid in full. You're free and clear. Good news. That's what the word gospel means. Now I don't believe it. You don't believe? Now that's too good to be true. No such thing as a free lunch. I tell you, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said something like that, I could probably buy my wife a new vehicle. <laughs> I mean, really? You know what you're saying? Salvation's a gift? You're saying that there's no such thing as a gift of salvation? Where's the fine print? What's the catch? No, that can't. You're telling me that no matter what I do, it's been paid for in full? Yes. You're telling me that I can ask for anything. And if it's good according to His will and glorifies Him, He's going to give it to me. Yeah. That's too good to be true. Here's what I say to one who would say it's too good to be true. If it's too good to be true, it's God because God is true. Let me say that again, different way. This whole notion of too good to be true, God is too good because God is true. God, you're too good. I know. God, this is, this is too good to be true. I'm good and I'm true. So that's why it's too good to be true. I fit the bill for both. Yeah, but no such thing as a free lunch. Well, maybe there's no such thing as a free lunch. Okay? But there is such a thing 
as the gift of eternal life that is offered and freely given and freely received, no strings attached, period. It is finished. So why are you striving and stressing? Is your life, could you put the word under your Christian life, stressed or rest? One last thing, and then we'll close. I just thought of this. This, I think, is the Lord, and maybe for somebody here today. Pastor Chuck Smith, who's now with the Lord, wrote a book titled, Grace Changes Everything. How Grace Changes Everything. Must read. Absolutely, just, I mean, life-changing. In that book, he draws this parallel, this comparison, this illustration between a factory and a garden. When you walk into a factory, you smell perspiration, sweat, works, deadlines, stress, produce, production. When you walk into a garden, oh, the fragrance, oh, the peace, the quiet stillness in that garden. What a contrast. The factory's works, the garden is grace. And too many of us live our lives in the factory of works and not the garden of grace. It's my hope and my prayer that God, as only He can, (laughs) would just break through however thick the layers are in our Christian lives, so that we'll see His grace taste from the delicious sweet cup of His grace. When you taste of the Lord and see that He is good, you're you're ruined, man. You're ruined for anything or anyone else when you've tasted from that cup. I pray for anyone that might be here today or even watching online that's still in that barrenness, in that wilderness. That ends right here and right now, today. Just believe, trust, rest. Oh, and uh, one real final warning here. Hang on. No, I mean that. Hang on for dear life, because you're going to have the time of your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for this passage here in your word. At first read, it's kind of gnarly, but wow. (laughs) When the Holy Spirit opens up the eyes of our understanding and opens it up to us, and we see it, we see, oh Lord, That's the kind of Christian life I want to be in and live and know. Lord, please, for anyone that's just dry and barren and joyless, I pray that today they would just come to you and enter in to all of the promises that await us 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you heard today may have encouraged you in your faith. There are many revered Bible characters mentioned in the book of Hebrews, people who lived ordinary lives but amounted to much in God's eyes when it came to faith. Perhaps you might be the same. You're living your very ordinary life, striving to live for God, but sometimes you make some harebrained decisions. Thankfully, God's looking at your life and your faith as a whole. This should be encouraging to you. You don't have to live up to perfection. Continue following this series with us in the book of Hebrews to gain additional glimpses of faith lived out. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Hebrews. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God has been putting on his heart. Faith is something that's ongoing, so keep it up. Join us again on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.